when I started to walk, the doctor and my aunt, who's also a physical therapist, told my parents, when your son falls, don't pick him up. So at two years old, my parents' physically disabled kid who's trying to learn how to walk and having a hard time was never picked up. He was always cheered. He was always encouraged to get back up. And it was incredibly painful for my parents to watch every time. But every time I got, you know, I fell down, I got back up. This is for the others out there, the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me, and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I'm excited to bring you a conversation I had with my good friend, Sam Becker. Sam works for a healthcare investment firm in Manhattan and also is pursuing his master's in finance at Johns Hopkins. When he was born, he was diagnosed with cerebral palsy and spent his childhood working through physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy to operate independently. Over the past eight years, Sam has helped cerebral palsy and disability communities raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for various foundations and also acted as an advocate through speaking and writing. We talked a lot about overcoming adversity, challenges, and what it takes to develop grit and perseverance in your day-to-day life. He's got an inspiring story, really, really incredible individual, and I so enjoyed this conversation. Be sure to give him a follow on Instagram at SamXBecker, and feel free to reach out. Send him a DM, too. He loves to hear from you. Without further ado, please welcome Sam Becker. Sam Becker in the house. <laughs> yep. How you doing, man? Good, man. Great to see you. Great to it's, hear from you as always. Yeah, I know it is Glad great. To be here. Yeah, it's been a it's been a minute since we've caught up, and what better uh, forum to uh, to catch up than live on the podcast, huh? Couldn't ask for anything better. <laughs> and I and I love I love you tuning in and sending lots of notes in and um and and feedback and thoughts on different episodes so it's it's great to have one of the others on the podcast <laughs> yeah man look i've been a listener since day one and um i've just always known that we've definitely consumed a lot of the same material we think a lot about a lot about the same things and uh i know you really want to make this work so whatever i can do to, to help you out i, I think I never want to regret not giving you any piece of feedback because I'd be like, shoot, you know, if I would have told Josh this six months ago, maybe this would have prevented something. Maybe this yeah. would have helped something or we're, we're having this conversation and you ask any advice and I tell you something that I came up with six months ago. I, I don't want to leave anything off the table. I love that, man. And I think that's like, that, that's a, that's a really inspiring quality about you that I've always admired, even from college. You know, I've seen that is that you're, 
you're never afraid to like ask the questions or say the thing that you feel like you want to say. Um, is that something that you found you've always done your whole life? Is that something that's developed? <laughs> uh, both, you know, I think I, I learned from an early age that I didn't really have a choice like for me to figure things out. I had to ask questions, right? I had to be uncomfortable. I had to do the uncomfortable things that other people weren't, you know, trained to do because mm -hmm. that was the only way that I was going to keep up and then succeed. And why is that? Tell me more about that. Well, you know, as you know, I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. I was in physical therapy for 15 years, starting at age of one, multiple times a week for most of my childhood. I was also in speech therapy and occupational therapy. And my life was limited while it mostly only affects my legs, especially only now. Um, my speech was hindered. It took me a while to learn how to tie my shoes, to button my shirts, to just do every normal thing. I, I didn't start walking until I was two years old, right? And things were difficult. So I had to figure out how to do things more effectively and in ways that I could. And, you know, I had to ask questions. I had to dig deeper. Um, and, you know, really, it's just it, it's been a trained thing. And I'm incredibly blessed to that, that I have that ability to, to make myself uncomfortable and to do the uncomfortable, uh, because that's where you know, a lot of the successes that I've had in my life is probably all of them have been derived from that. So good. So, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, now looking back, how do you attribute those qualities that you were almost it seems like you're almost you almost didn't, you didn't have a choice, right? You were forced to be to, to act in a certain way and to get out of your comfort zone and to, to do whatever you need to do to get things done. How have you seen that attribute to your success and to your general mindset and quality of life now as an adult? It's a good question. You know, I mean, it, it can be everything from, you know, meeting my friends in college. I didn't know a single person in our fraternity going in. I wasn't afraid to, to get to know people and get to learn people. It could be you know, networking for jobs. Um, similar to you, I didn't go on the career fair path. Uh, I didn't want that. It, it just wasn't our vibe. I remember we had that conversation. Right. And I was so happy that like there's somebody else like me that, that understands that this isn't the only way to do it. And so, yeah, I, I did network my way into everything that I've gotten and, and work my way into everything that I've gotten. And it's um, by doing that consistently and training yourself to, you know, strive and embrace those uncomfortable situations, it just it compounds, right? You had the momentum today on the, on the hump day hype, right? And that momentum just builds and builds and builds to where I've had tons of opportunities that I never would have thought I could have done. Yeah. Super cool, man. So tell me, tell me a little bit more about cerebral palsy like itself. Cause I don't know too much about it. You're the first person I met who was diagnosed with it. And, um, so I know very limited about it. So tell me a little bit more about like the science and physiology behind it. Sure. So it's a neurological disorder that usually comes along during childbirth. Um, for me, I have spastic diplasia, cerebral palsy. So my muscles and limbs are tighter than uh, the average person. Luckily, I have uh, an incredibly mild, not incredibly, but a mild case. Mm -hmm. um, but other people have significant difficulty talking, walking, 
moving any of their limbs, um, it can be, they can be severely hampered by this. And, um, luckily I was not. Yeah. And so this was from, from birth basically. And what, what age do you remember? Like, I mean, I'm, I guess since you kind of grew <laughs> up with it, was there a time when you remembered like, hold up, that there's, there's additional hurdles for me to be able to do these things, or I'm going to therapy a whole lot. Was there a time when you like <laughs> consciously understood that you were working through something? Yeah, you know, it was probably when I was going to therapy all the time and it was the only thing my older brother and I didn't do together. Mm. And not only was I going to do something without my older brother, I was going to do something that was very difficult. I was going to do something that sucked hmm. a lot. And I mean, I for hours a week and I was doing that multiple times. I, again, I wasn't just doing physical therapy. I was doing occupational therapy where it was frustrating that I couldn't you know, button my shirts, that I had to you know, play with silly putty all the time to strengthen my hands, or that I had to have somebody stretch my legs who I didn't like. They weren't my mom, they weren't my dad, they weren't my family. I'm, I'm four years old laying on this table being told what to do. And that's when I noticed there were some different things. And you know, as things got older and I've been, was exposed to more kids, I did realize, yeah, I did walk funny. My, you know, legs were pronated in, um, you know, I couldn't speak as well as other kids. Yeah. And that, and it just kind of became more apparent from there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I could just picture you. I mean, even as a kid, I could just picture you just attacking the physical therapy and just getting after it. Like from what I from what I know about you and from from some of the things and workouts and stuff we've done in the past, I I, I could just picture you really. Did, did you take it seriously? Did you did you realize, hey, I, I need to I need to do this in order to get myself to a certain point? Or was it just kind of check the boxes? How was that? What was that experience like? Honestly, I mean, uh, it wasn't a check the box. It wasn't that, that I had to do this per se is that in therapy, there, there was a goal set out in front of me, right. That I had to accomplish mm-hmm. and quite simply, I was going to accomplish it. Uh, we've talked about this many of times is one of the best, you know, realizations that I've had. And one of the best gifts that I've had is that I'm continually competing against myself because I've had to since the day I was born. I mean, I was born 10 weeks early and was, you know, in the ICU for three weeks after that. Uh, I've been sick multiple times because of my weakened immune system. I, I have no choice but to compete against myself. And by competing against myself, I am always measuring myself against who I was before this occurred. And mm. You know, I'll be damned if I, if I don't have, you know, can complete the task. I, it's just, that's how, that's how it's always been. Um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, that mentality was, was built from, like I said, right, right when I was born, but really when I started to walk and I think this was the best gift and the best lesson I ever learned when I started to walk the doctor and my aunt, who's also a physical therapist, told my parents, when your son falls, don't pick him up. So at two years old, my parents' physically disabled kid who's trying to learn how to walk and having a hard time was never picked up. He was always cheered. He was always encouraged to get back up. 
and it was incredibly painful for my parents to watch every time. But every time I got, you know, I fell down, I got back up. Mm. I, so I was continually exposed to that failure. Even in grade school, I fell down multiple times a day. And every time I had to get up and, and it, it developed a sense of independence, a sense of grit and, you know, something that I, that I still carry today that, you know, I know I'm going to get through every time that I fall. And every time that I fall and every time that I get back up is, is a win over what I am trying to accomplish. So you know, if you want to look at the big macro sense, I'm competing against my cerebral palsy every day. Every time I fell when I was that three, four, five-year-old kid, it was a win against it because I was continually getting better. And I was continually falling because again, I didn't have a choice. Like this was going to, this was going to work out. Hmm. Man, that's so good. That's so inspiring, bro. It really is. And, and how does that, how have you seen that translate over to other areas of your life? Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's tons of them that I could, I could reach from. I mean, it could be something as simple as, you know, work's not going well and, you know, I'm putting in the 15, 16, 18 hour days and just hitting the grind, but Mm. I know I have to continually get back up, uh, struggled in school a few times and right uh, I know that because of what my mind was conditioned to do, that I can grind my teeth and grip my way to some level of competency, yeah. that, that my floor is that high. So whether it be making sure that I finish with the grade that I want in a class or, you know, getting the job that I want or you know, having the success that I want in my career, I, I know that it will come through that perseverance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you look back and it's just, I love how, what you said. It's just, a, it's a compilation and a combination of all of these different reps, all of these quality reps you've been taking and in a very, very physical way, like, you know, all the quotes around, it's not how hard you get hit. It's how, how quick you get up or how many times it's not how many times you get hit. It's how, how many times you get back up. And, and you were just, you know, forced from a young age to, 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 to get back up and have all these reps and all these opportunities to continue competing against yourself. So I, I love that. Yeah, and I, there, there's there's one quote that I have uh, on my screen amongst many uh, in my office and and on my laptop, and it's the quote of the stone cutter where every time things go wrong, I look over at the stone cutter is hammering away away at the rock, and eventually it cracks. But he knows that it wasn't that one hit, that one hammer that cracked the rock. It was the ninety nine, the thousand that went before. Mm. Right. And that's the way I approach things is that I know that it's not all going to come overnight, but I know that with consistent discipline and perseverance that eventually I'll end up having success. Yeah. Is there an actual quote that goes with it or is it just that image? Uh, yeah, there's a quote I can, uh, I can flip it over to you. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see it. I'd love to, I'd love to read it. What is it? Do you have it? Do you have a top of mind? Uh, I could probably find it. In yeah, hold up. I'd love to see it. Um, and as you do that, I, I think, you know, it's, I, I was just reflecting on this. I just got back from my climb last week. And uh, one of the big takeaways was the, was just the, the chunking something down and taking tangible bites, bites out of this bigger, 
behemoth and just like step by step by step. It's like, how do you climb a mountain? You take one step at a time. And, and our first day we had six hours of climbing to do. And that felt like a lot when you look at oh six <laughs> hours, that's a lot. But what we did was we just broke it down and did an hour climb and then a 10 minute break and then another hour climb and then another 10 minute break. And you just, you can just attack those makes, it makes it a lot more digestible to attack those little segments. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're there. So love that. Uh, yeah. Let's see this quote. What do you got? It's when nothing seems to help. I go look at the stone cutter hammering away at his rock, perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundredth and first blow, it was split into two. And I know it was not that blow that did it, but all had gone before. Ooh, so good. <laughs> so what is that? What does that light up within you? What is that? Where does that take your mind? You know, it just tells me that every little step I make in the right direction is for a bigger purpose. It's for mm. a bigger goal. And so, again, I, I know I can do all that, but it's about picking the right path then for me. What do you mean by picking the right path? So it's, it's, it's picking, picking the right goals, picking the right things to try and achieve mm. um, and picking the right plan because – I know that, you know, it's going to take those little iterations and those little reps to get yeah, there. And right. I know with some level of certainty that I can achieve a, a level of success that, you know, that, that will work out. It's, mm -hmm. it, I mean, it, I don't think people really understand how, how simple just work is and, and discipline and, and perseverance. I mean, it's there, it's incredibly tough to do. And, and trust me, I know more than anybody, like it, like it sucks. Like nothing yeah. I'm talking about is easy. <laughs> right. Nothing I'm talking about. Like I, I particularly enjoy doing. Um, it's just a place that I'm really comfortable in, mm. you know? I, and so I know that if, if I'm able to, to play my game and to, you know, shift things to my advantage that that success will come. Uh, it's because I know that I have the, the discipline and perseverance to do it. Now, what, am I going to be a, a great artist or a great athlete? Probably not. Right. But, but anything within my physical and mental capabilities, I know that I can at least achieve some level of competency solely through discipline, grit and perseverance. Right. Amazing. It's, uh, it's, I love what you said. It's, it's simple, but not easy. All the stuff is right. Understanding it. It's like, it's simple. It makes sense. Of course. Duh. But <laughs> simple doesn't necessarily mean easy. So it's like that. And, and what I, what I see you've done and what you do is you've, you've built a level of comfortability in the discomfort. When we talk about being comfortable, being uncomfortable, that cliche that you're all the time, like you're an embodiment of being comfortable, getting uncomfortable. And, and I, and I love the, the takeaway for me so far is that that didn't happen by accident. That happened by sheer repetition. That happened by hitting the hammer against the rock a hundred and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And that's how you build that muscle of, uh, of that comfortability in the discomfort. Yeah. And it, you know, and it's not just repetition, it's striving for a higher goal, a higher why that, that we always talk about. And I know that you've talked about quite yeah. a bit. And for me, that's, 
that's just competing against myself. That is trying yeah. to overcome the challenges that I've faced. And, and one thing I've realized recently is that, you know, not only do I owe it to my parents who sacrificed everything for me, I mean, sacrificed career opportunities, went into debt to pay for experimental surgeries and therapies um, and sacrificed their time. I mean, they, they moved halfway across the country so I could go to the best cerebral palsy hospital. Mm. So not only do I owe that to them, but I've, I've realized I kind of owe it to myself, right? I've put all this time and energy in trying to be the best version of myself that I can, that I'm so levered up on Sam Becker right now that I have no choice. Like if, if I don't wake up and give, you know, 150 fucking percent every single day, you know, that could be my downfall. And, and I owe it to myself to be better and continue to be better because I've put way too much time and effort into trying to already be the best person I can be. I love it. Are you, how do you balance being in this mode of grit and perseverance with also not being hard on yourself. Do you ever catch yourself being too hard on yourself? How do you balance <laughs> that out? Or do you balance that out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I, I've never thought about it as a balance. Um, I am hard on myself. I, I, I'm, I'm my hardest critic. I tell my bosses all the time, right? Give me some, some critical feedback because I'm already giving it to myself. I need to hear somebody else to, to know I'm on the right track. I honestly, you just balance it by doing the very best that you can and emptying the tank every chance you get so that when you go to sleep at night, you can say, I did the best that I can. You know, I, I'm completely mm. exhausted in what I tried to do. I went, I went to accomplish a goal, whether it didn't happen or not, at least I went for, right. It's, it's process over results. Yeah. You know that the results are going to come and you know, I'm not going to be sitting, you know, in my bed at 90 years old saying, man, I wish I would have worked harder that day. Because again, I, I feel like I don't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Leave it all on the field, right? Yeah. <laughs> Leave yeah. it all on the field. And then you, you can't ask for more. That's how, that's really, really good. The, to not be so hard on yourself. If you give your best effort, then you can't be hard on yourself by definition because you know that you, you, you're you honest with yourself. It's when we throttle ourselves or we put a ceiling on ourselves or we hold ourselves back a bit that we end up being hard on ourselves because we know we might have been able to do a bit better. But if you leave it all out on the field and you 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 put yourself out there and you run out of gas, like you're, you're satisfied regardless. Yeah, and right maybe the result won't go the way that you want. And it's, it's cool to be okay with that. I let myself not be okay with that. I, depending how bad it is, I give myself a couple hours. If it's not a big deal, or I'll give myself a couple days if something doesn't work out mm -hmm. to, to be upset and to be mad just so I can get over that feeling and emotion and get right back to work so that that doesn't sit and linger and, yeah. you know, act as a parasite from the inside. Totally. And then, you know, you're back to work, right? But, you know, I've, I've always said that, you know, you can question my talent, my intelligence. I mean, you, you, you question everything about me. 
Um, besides my work ethic, I, I refuse to let that be questioned. Mm. And if it is, then maybe I need to up my game or <laughs> maybe that person just has a wrong impression of me. And when you don't give yourself a choice, when you, when you fully commit to working as hard as you possibly can, I mean, the, there's nothing to be too disappointed of, right? Like you, mm-hmm. uh, there've been times I've been disappointed in the speeches I've had to give or my work product or grades in school. But if they really matter, I'd put my heart and soul into it and let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you were, you were forced to develop this grit and perseverance. What advice do you give to somebody who might not be forced to, but wants to develop this level of work ethic and habit that, that you have? Find something that makes you uncomfortable and go do it. Now, obviously make that a good thing, right? And, and preferably make it something that you know is good, that you know would be helpful, that you absolutely don't want to do. <laughs> I've always found that the things that I know are best, that are difficult, 10 people if I, if I ask 10 people, nine of them will be like, you're crazy. Why are you mm. doing that? Why don't you go out and have fun? If I ask, and then that one person will be like, oh no, that's a great idea. I mean, a lot of the times I feel like you're that one person, right? So simple example is, let's say you want to wake up early, 5 a.m., go to the gym and work out. If you don't want to do that right now, go do it. Because it's a good thing. Get your endorphins going. You'll be in shape. You'll feel healthy. And it's challenging. It fucking sucks. I do it. It's terrible. Right. <laughs> but it builds that crit, that work ethic. And, and it, it allows you to have some sense of, you know, accomplishment by doing that. Right. Yep. And, and people are going to tell you you're crazy. If you live with your significant other, they're going to be pissed because your alarm's waking, waking them up. Right. And, and your parents are going to be wondering why you're not sleeping. But none of that matters because you are working to better yourself. You're trying to become uncomfortable. So then when you were really faced with those problems that <laughs> you, you have to be able to, you know, take head on, you'll be equipped with a mindset that allows you to overcome them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brilliantly said. That's how, I, when I signed up for my first triathlon, um, it was that for me. I was sitting there at summer and I was, I did it with, uh, with our, with our good friend, Ricky Bodner. And, uh, and I was sitting there and, and I, and I was, I was out of shape. I was just you know, this is the, the apex of the college shape that you're in. Right. And I was not, not in the best habits out of shape. And I, and I, and I felt that, and I wanted to push myself a bit. So I said triathlon. Okay. That's something I know that I know nothing about, and I know that if I were to do it, it would require me to be in really, really good shape to do it. And this was just an Olympic distance one I'm talking about here, so like second, second level of entry. And it was really scary, but I just signed up, said, okay, cool, we're going to go for it, and I better be ready. The, the date, whatever it was, September 5th, like, I got to be ready. September 5th, I'm going to be tested, so I'm going to make sure I'm ready. And I used that, and then I got to the gym, and I got I got into shape. I lost all this weight. I started eating healthy, and, and that was the catalyst for me that started this health journey that I was, I, I was forced to, and I just kind of followed that inclination. But 
but I really appreciate what you said there because I wouldn't have done it without Ricky as my friend being like, let's do this thing or same thing with becoming a yoga instructor. So I, I and that's so much of the spirit of find the others too, is, is the people that will push you and the people will be like, yo, let's sign up for this half marathon together, or let's go to the gym. Let's experiment with us. Let's, let's go to the gym for this next month. Let's go to the gym before work in the morning, or let's go do this thing, or you go do that thing and I will support you. I'm not going to say you're crazy or you're sacrificing our time out drinking. Like I will support you with that. So it's, it's so much of, it's so much, I, I relate so much of that to my story as well with just doing that thing that sucks. And, and you're a David Goggins fan, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I, we've had some conversations about this as well, but he talks a lot about that, like that voluntary suffering and putting yourself in those situations that, that suck. But, but yeah, I, I'm curious if you find this too, but I, I find that like, that's where the fulfillment comes from. Do you find that also? Yeah, of course. I mean, on the other side of, of that suffering, that suck, there is, you know, the night's always darkest before the dawn, whatever that saying is. That's it. Yeah, you, you got, got it. Part. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's it. The night's always you know, darkest before the dawn. I mean, yep. that's it, right? You you, you feel better. I, I mean, I told you, I, I took a cold shower right before we hopped on. Sucked during it. I felt way better afterwards, right? It's... I don't know. There's a beauty in it, right? The worst part of your day can, you know, lead to the best part of your day. Mm. And I think it's incredibly healthy for people to continually challenge themselves in, in any way. And, you know, one thing I will say, and maybe it's just because I'm particularly sensitive to it because I have to be, make sure you, you pick something if you're going to make a commitment of doing something incredibly challenging make sure that it's something that, that you can prioritize, mm. right? So you had the, the ability to, to prioritize you doing the, the triathlon. If I look at myself and think, do I want to run the, the New York City Marathon? Could I? Absolutely. Is now the right time for me to do that with you know, work, being in school at the same time and you know, trying to achieve other things? Probably not because just the, the physical toll it would take on my body. So mm. the way I kind of navigate around those things is when I do work out, I either do one of two things or both. I have a elevation mask on to restrict my breathing, or I have a sweat jacket on to make sure that I'm, that I'm sweating and, and making it more difficult on me in shorter increments, just so that I can, I can feel uh, my body pushing itself. Mm-hmm. Really good. So what are you currently prioritizing and challenging yourself with in your life at this moment? Yeah, uh, right now I'm one focusing pretty heavily on work. I work at a healthcare private equity firm here in New York. Um, and then I'm also going to school at Johns Hopkins, getting my master's in finance, and then also working at uh, or for my firm's foundation uh, with one of our portfolio nonprofits that focuses on uh, clean water sanitation uh, in Uganda. So that's awesome. Pretty, yeah, yeah, it's it's sweet and uh, pretty early on in the process with me working with them, but um, great opportunity there. And yeah, just just a lot going on that I've been able to stack on top of each other. They have a ton of overlap, which makes it a lot easier uh, in terms of moving from one to the other, but. Um, you know, really, I just saw that 
the flow of life was guiding me towards you know this path right now and that for the next few years it's where my focus should probably be and we'll see how that turns out that's sweet man so where, where are you at right now in uh in johns hopkins are you in your first year uh yeah finishing up my my first go round and my uh college cycle starts in the fall okay when i was enrolled sweet that's pretty cool man yeah yeah <laughs> that's awesome um so sam i'd love to hear from from your perspective here did you ever i mean growing up with a quote unquote disability was it ever did you ever was it challenging to take it on as an identity did you view yourself differently i'm really curious to hear your perspective on that yeah there's a there's a lot in there so we'll we'll navigate around let's this do it and, and you can cut whatever and uh figure out what what works best um cool. i obviously knew i was different Right. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. again, my, my parents did so much for me to have any semblance of a normal life. And they did a great job. I can live my life not telling people I have cerebral palsy. That's a really freeing feeling, even though I don't do it. I'm telling all of the others right now that I do. Mm-hmm. But you can't tell it by seeing me unless you're a trained doctor in the physical disability space. Mm-hmm. Right. And but when I was a kid, you know, it was very obvious that something was wrong. I was wearing leg braces to school. I was walking with pronated legs with a limp. I wasn't fast. It was very obvious that, that something was wrong. And I think because of the way that my family treated me as not being different at all, and the way that they forced me to overcome all of my challenges, it really didn't cross my mind as something that was an identity. It just crossed my mind as something that I had to push through and get mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. and work through. And then as I got older, you know, I began to develop a little more self-awareness of cerebral palsy, how it affects me, how it affects others. And the importance that that holds and that, you know, while it was a ton of hard work, long hours, and just excruciating, painful times. There are people that have it worse than I do. Mm. And I started to take on more of an identity with it as I got into high school and then into college and after college uh, and trying to be an advocate for others with cerebral palsy and in the disability community as a whole. And try and raise some money and donate to different foundations and mentor kids and families on, on how to deal with you know, other people with cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. And, and so what I know when you got into high school, you, you really, and into college, I know too, you really embraced this and, and you did some charitable work with this, right? You did some, what were some of the things that you did? Yeah. So my, my first big one was in high school. Um, I was the manager for my high school basketball team for four years. Uh, regrettably, basketball is my favorite sport in the world. The only thing I loved uh, to do and obviously uh, was probably the worst sport for a 5'8 white guy with cerebral palsy to love. Um, <laughs> put my heart and soul in it and 
my body just couldn't keep up with the pace and the exhaustion and everybody else developing faster than I did. So I became um, the manager to just still stay involved, be with my friends. And my high school coach, thankfully, let me dress uh, for my senior year. And in one of the games, I did a cerebral palsy fundraiser where we had everybody wear shirts, did raffle tickets, um, you know, had the whole game where, where I got to play and, and start and raised a few thousand dollars for my old clinic in Cincinnati. And it kind of just started, you know, like a whirlwind from there. People in our local newspapers picked it up. The Cincinnati Inquirer picked it up. Uh, the article written about me became the, I think the 17th most read article in the United States over the 24 hour span. Wow. And it just started a momentum of things that I could get back to the community on. So I started speaking at a lot of different foundations and conferences, um, raising more money and, you know, that, that trickled into college and, I was able to you know, work with Miami University to do a few different things, work with our fraternity to, to raise some money uh, as well for causes that were close to my heart. And it was a phenomenal experience and, and one that I've really enjoyed. And, you know, admittedly, I've, I've taken a step back over the past few years, just wanting to get my career on track, get myself mm -hmm. on track. And, you know, knowing that that will always be there, um, in terms of doing it in more of a public fashion. Definitely. Definitely. And is that something that you do feel passionate about still though? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I always have a few different things in the works. Um, sure you do. Was my friend going to, was, was going to, to, to launch, uh, one or two different fundraisers, but, uh, unfortunately COVID had other plans. Um, so going to wait for the right time to do that. And then, I'm still working with um, a few families in the cerebral palsy community as well and um, trying to help them with, uh, you know, either their life as, as kids going through similar situations or, you know, even parents how to um, better understand their kids. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was, uh, you know, you've always been such a great networker and someone who builds relationships, I feel like in a very authentic way and really <laughs> takes that extra step, that extra effort and really shows that you care. What's your thoughts on that? What's your philosophy on that? Is there a, how do you, how do you operate with that? Yeah, everybody's got something interesting to share, right? So when I'm going out and networking and trying to meet people, while it's, let's say in a professional sense, it is for my gain, right? I, I do hope to, to accomplish whatever goal, whether it be getting an interview or getting introduced to the, to the next best guy. But if you go into it with the other sense of everybody has something interesting to share, you know, what can I learn from this mm. person? Not, not so much. What can I gain from this person? So, not what can they, you know, teach me about the job, but you know, what, what, what can I best find out? And it's also important to realize that everybody else has needs too. 
everybody's going to be looking for a job one day. Everybody's going to need advice on something one day. And to make yourself open for that, every single person that I've networked with, I finish my follow-up email or my handwritten note with, and if you ever need me, please let me know. If I can ever be a reference for you, please let me know. Mm-hmm. And that shows that you care more about getting to know them or you care just as much about their needs as you do your own. And it's, it's just showing a level of, of empathy that most people aren't used to doing it. It's, it's similar to what we talked about earlier. Like, if you're willing to put in the work and do the uncomfortable things, like show empathy and like give a shit about somebody else, which as people, like, that's difficult to do. Mm. that will be recognized because not everybody does it right like like tim ferris has has a great example of this he says that going for the big goals and the big jobs is a lot easier than going for the little jobs why because less people are going for them (laughs) so (laughs) because people are scared because people don't want to do it so if you do those things when networking like intently listening and trying to be there and also learn what you can do for that other person and you make that known and recognizable, then they will in turn, you know, reciprocate that. It's, it's incredibly simple. Yeah, certainly is my friend. That's great. (laughs) Um, Another question for you is how do you, or I guess I should say, what does find the others mean to you? I mean, I could just do the cop out and, and, and grab your tagline. Finding the others is, is finding those like-minded people who are willing to, to push you, to support you and to challenge you, right? Like I know if I go to you and I ask for advice, I know that I'm going to get raw, unfiltered, honest advice, you know, with a little love and support mixed in there too. I don't need people to tell me that, you know, I did a good job or I'm great or something. What I need are those, you know, those others, those people that are, are constantly challenging you and, and, you know, lifting you up. It's a, a tribe of people that, you know, have your back and are encouraging you. Right. And yeah. rising tide lifts all boats and iron sharpens iron and all those cliche quotes we like to throw around. The reason why they're cliche is because they're true. All right. right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I love that, dude. That's something that Chad and I always say. They're cliches because they're true. They're cliches because they're right. They're cliches for a reason. So listen to the cliches. Yeah. Like like every, every, every little habit or every little, you know, thing that people think is obvious. Yeah. They're true. They're right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Definitely. That's great, man. Man, this is uh, this is definitely super super inspiring to me, and um, I've I've taken a bunch of notes from this conversation. That I think are great. Um, what uh, what are you currently like? What's next for Sam Becker? Whew, what you know? I'm definitely in the I'm in the grind right now. Uh, I'm in I'm in the process right mm-hmm. now. I'm I'm working through things. Um, you know, what's next? I, I hope to start my own foundation sometime in the next 24 to 36 months. Great. Um, still going to continue to be, to be working away, graduate school soon. And, you know, really just continue to, 
to push myself to see how far that I, you know, I can take this life. Um, I don't know what's, what's next for Josh Church. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, man. I, I think that I'm, I'm very much with you. I think it's a, um, it, it's, it's, I'm in the, I'm in the climb right now, right? I'm in the build mode, which is just yeah, like yeah. head down focus and just in the go build mode. Um, and I, I've always trusted the opportunities cause it's just been the way that it's happened so far for me right. is that the, the opportunities come and they unfold when you're focused and you're working and you're moving forward. So for me, uh, what's next for me, I honestly don't know, but I know whatever's next is coming and what yeah, I know whatever's yeah. next is really exciting and I'm really pumped for, but, um, and I, and I trust, you know, I trust in that feeling, you know, that feeling of I'm exactly where I need to be and I'm focusing yep. on the things I need that I need to do. And, and there's, it comes in waves. There's waves of clarity where I'm like, yes, this is it. I'm on the right path. And then there's <laughs> waves of what the heck am I doing? Like, do I need to reconsider everything? Should I go get a job at you know, this company or should I just go stop everything and go travel and quit my, right? So you go through those <laughs> waves, but yeah. I would say overwhelmingly it's, it's that feeling of, I, I feel like that momentum and I feel the, the, the growth and I feel the, just the continual effort of putting one foot in front of the next and staying open is the big thing, staying open to connecting yeah. with people, staying open to the opportunities that come across. And I just like, it might, something my dad always said is that um, luck is the meeting of preparation and opportunity. So I'm just going to keep preparing and keep being prepared and doing everything I can to be prepared as opportunities come. And, and that's just how my life's gone unfolded so far with all of these beautiful, wonderful, amazing things that I'm grateful for have come as a result of just that, of just being open to the flow and um, connecting with people and saying yes to different opportunities that come and, uh, and, and leading to good stuff. So that's, what's next for me. I don't know the, the actual <laughs> form of what that looks like. I have no clue. The function though remains steady. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly feel the exact same way. Um, said it much better than I did. Um, yeah, it's, it's true. If you focus on the process over the results, that's it. That's you're doing what you know you're supposed to be doing, the rest is going to come. And you know what? If it doesn't, <laughs> then the one thing that's going to come is a, a change in the path, right? Right, right. And when you're also abiding by the process and focusing on process over results, that if, if it doesn't come, whatever you think it is, it doesn't matter because you're enjoying the process along the way. You're yeah. not just like, oh, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. Until, wait, wait until I make it, wait until I make it, until I make it. And it's like, well, if that day never comes, then you're pretty screwed if you're approaching it that way. But if you're approaching it the way of, of just a, an evolution or unfolding of whatever you desire, whatever it is that you want, then you enjoy the, the getting there is half the fun. You enjoy it along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, it, it, it really is. And, and seeing that, that progress you know, when you do look back, right? Like when you are yeah. climbing your mountains or when you do finish that race and you can just, you look back for a little bit and you're like, wow, I actually, I actually did shit. I was yeah. so stuck in the weeds that, you know, I, I didn't notice at the time, but, and, and to me, that is, that's part of the result, um, is, is being able to look back and all of the progress accumulating itself on top of each other is, it's, it's, it's a really, really great feeling i know um i know i've i've felt it definitely in the past few years that you know uh, a lot of times i'm so focused on on the present and you know grinding away that i don't exactly realize how much you know i grew as a person 
and and how much I also accomplished you know, outside of that. It's uh, it's a special feeling when you realize. Yeah, it really is. Well, Sam, thanks for this awesome conversation, man. Is there anything you want to share with the listeners in closing as we wrap up here? Um, yeah, you know, I think the, the last thing I would just want to add is, is play your game, right? Shift your environment, shift everything going on around you to how you want to see it. You know, I don't know if you've read Malcolm Gladwell's David and Goliath. Um, no, I about, have not. It, it's all about. Um, making turning your disadvantages into advantages mm-hmm. um, and how David wasn't really an underdog because in the wartime rock, paper, scissors, the people who fired projectiles, uh, you know, always beat the people who were the cavalry. So David was the projectile thrower and, uh, you know, Goliath was the cavalry guy and he had the advantage because he used his disadvantage of being small to, to throw the rock. Right. Um, and so, you know, when you're faced with disadvantages or tough environments, shift things to play your game. With me, it's it's if I'm competing against somebody, they're gonna have to, uh, you know, play in the mud a little bit. They're gonna have to have to get gritty and disciplined and and embrace those challenges. Um, you know, don't be afraid of what what makes you different and what makes you uncomfortable. Go after them and focus on the process over results the chips will fall where they're supposed to love it man super inspiring sam thanks so much brother appreciate it um so much love to you man thank you for inspiring and lighting the way for so many of us and i'm just excited to see uh to see where your process leads you my friend likewise buddy love you dearly it's great catching up and uh so happy and proud of everything you guys are doing um and uh to all the listeners out there if you made it all the way to the end uh make sure you keep tuning in because uh josh has got some great stuff and uh you know if this episode doesn't help you at all i'm sure there's plenty more that will so tune in as much as you can because you don't want to miss it love it i uh, appreciate it brother all right man talk soon dude. all right bro i'll talk to you soon